Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Today I have with me in the studios the Public Relations Officer, Mrs. Mitzi Francis, and the Deputy Director, Mr. Sherard James, from the National Office of Disaster Services here in Antigua and Barbuda. Welcome and thanks for accepting my invitation to come and discuss a little on disasters. I am sure you have a wealth of information to share. Now being prepared is very important for any event because it determines the end result. Now we are in the hurricane season, so I believe we should start with hurricanes as our first disaster to talk about. But before we do that, I will allow you to share with us your responsibilities at the National Office of Disaster Services here in Antigua and Barbuda. And we're going to start with Mrs. Francis. Okay, now as the public relations officer, my main duties include um, bringing awareness to members of the public on different aspects of disaster management. Um, it will include distributing press releases, um, basically focusing on what is taking place at NODS, mm-hmm. um, future programs, plans, giving an idea as to what exactly NODS does. It will also include visiting schools, it could be business places and so forth, and sharing information on disaster preparedness, disaster management. So that's basically my job. Okay, thank you very much, Mrs. Francis. And we will now go to Mr. Sherard James. Um, well, my duties at not if we are looking at the um, outreach program, um, is working with um, Mrs. Francis and, and assisting going out to communities, actually with public awareness, education and training, um, also instructing, as well as uh, facilitation of various activities, including exercises um, from the administrative level involved in the day-to-day management uh, um, under the direction of the director, managing the affairs, internal affairs of NODS, and also, we're looking at um, assisting with project implementation, development, um, assisting other agencies in developing their plans, policies, as well as their exercises. Um, so in terms of um, working, there's mm-hmm. stuff related to the internal workings of NOTS, but also working with our various partners in the government, right. private, and civil society. Now, I know you guys are not uh, meteorologists, so bear with me. What is a hurricane? Well, a hurricane is an intense weather system um, in which you would have thunderstorms. Uh, it's the, the maximum average wind speed near center IXC is 74 miles per hour. 
And then you have the winds, which will be rotating in a counterclockwise spiral around the region of low pressure. Um, hurricanes have different names. Here in our region, we have the Atlantic hurricane season. And I'm sure you've heard of typhoons. Yes. That's uh-huh. just another name for hurricane. Oh, <laughs> I see. Okay. But it's in a different region, which uh-huh. would be the Pacific. Pacific right. Okay. So the different names in different regions. Now, you guys have to prepare and get us ready for any eventuality of a storm or hurricane out at NUDS. NUDS have a great responsibility to their island to prepare the people for disasters. What's the atmosphere like at NUDS at the announcement of a storm or hurricane? Okay, um, we will generally get our information from the Met Office as to the latest bulletins and so forth. And we distribute that information to members of the public. We will utilize our Facebook page, um, the various media houses. And uh, in recent times, we've had an arrangement with the telecommunications companies where we send text information to them and they will send information to members of the public. So that's all part of our preparation. And then we would be meeting with... Uh, our district disaster coordinators. Those are actually our community representatives. Each We have 17 districts, as in the those districts, that constituencies that we have. We use the same um, boundaries. boundaries okay. Okay. So each district would have a district disaster coordinator, also a deputy, and we also encourage them to have a team. So we would call them in and we would get information as to areas, troublesome areas that they would have that would need to be addressed uh, before any hurricane or storm. We would also meet with, we have several committees which are responsible for utilities, um, disaster relief, road clearance, and so forth. So we also, also telecommunications, we have a committee that deals with that. So we would call in members of those committees and we meet with them and get a feel as to how prepared they are for the season. Okay. Now, let's say I want to help and I am not in any of those organizations, but I want to help. What should I do? What's my first step for volunteering? Allow we encourage persons to actually become very actively involved in the district disaster committee system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in a particular community, which is in a particular district and so on, um, you can put yourself forward to volunteer and actually be trained in different areas of this aspects of disaster management. Um, volunteerism is something that we've noticed on a decline. Mm. Um, we've moved from a community where the focus used to be we as a community, how do we protect our community and so on, and it's now it's very I-centric. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a lot of I, there's a lot of me, someone must help me, how will it affect me and my family, etc. and so on, and we have mm-hmm. to look at it. These are these district disaster co- coordinators and their, their committee members, these are volunteers who have been doing this thing. Some of them have been doing it 20, 30 mm-hmm. years. I mean, making themselves available to come out to help protect their community. And we have to look at it in terms of it's not just somebody else's 
responsibility to look after my own well-being that mm-hmm. I need to take personal responsibility and look after the well-being of myself or and being able to help my neighbor because if you're impacted mm-hmm. I mean you're, you're looking for these volunteers to come yeah. out and help you mm-hmm. what's the what happens if they take that same I stance yeah so we, we have to get back to a sense of actually civic pride mm-hmm. about our communities about, about about our society and how we can protect it because we, we tend to see a lot of people now looking for somebody else to do it, it personal responsibility is not a very popular topic mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. to be waning how would you encourage the communities to um, get themselves involved especially when it comes to, to the aftermath involve themselves know. before I mean get to know your district disaster coordinator and the committee mm-hmm. um, actually so that you build that rapport whether you're a sporting group whether you're a church group whether you're a youth group whether you're a school whether you're a business community a business entity in the community etc so on engage the district disaster committee and the coordinator so that you can become actually part of the process you can actually help them pointing out issues I mean because the more perspectives you have the more holistically you can address something and so on become involved in the training in exercises at the community level being able to be trained to know how to respond to protect not only yourself and your loving loved ones and so but your livelihood I mean and this goes for business persons for farmers for fisher folk for people in the tourist industry etc and so on for people who have their own home businesses Okay, because your home gets impacted and so on, your business gets impacted, and that that you know reflects on your livelihood, your ability to provide for your your, your loved ones, your spou- your spouses, um, your elderly, etc. and so on. That these are all aspects of it. We have to look not only at how we treat the youngest, mm-hmm. but also our senior citizens are the most vulnerable of us and so on because there, there are some instances that things that happen that seem very callous. Mm-hmm. For example, you would have people that would take up. They have a senior person living with them or somebody with, with a particular challenge or maybe a mobility challenge and so on and they try and pass them off on to somebody else mm-hmm. and so on they, they, they bring them to a shelter or a home they don't even leave a caretaker not even food or medication or things like that and so on and it shows a level of callousness because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're not going to be young forever how True. would you like someone your child to now turn around and and, and basically repeat that Yes, we should look at it from a altruistic point of view and so on. But yeah, you have to look at what you wouldn't want for some, for yourself. You know, don't don't don't, yeah. don't tell us. Should we have deep concern during a tropical storm watch versus a hurricane watch? Um, you should always be concerned. <laughs> um, all all storms are different. Each storm has its own personality in terms of what it brings. Some are more wind and rain. Some are more water than anything. But it doesn't take a storm to cause so many damage. We've seen the damages wrought in some islands by just intense rain periods. Mm -hmm. So depending on where you're living and the condition of your environment and the hazards that you're facing, because if your drains are blocked, Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't take a storm to cause flooding Mm -hmm. to impact Mm -hmm. you. If people have been denuding the hillsides, scraping away the vegetation and the roots that hold soil together and so on, and you get a, a good intense rain period or a very big shake from a from an earthquake, etc., and so on. You can have landslide and land slippage and damage to property, etc. There are many ways and things that can impact us. So, you know, some people say, man, it's not a category three, nothing to worry about, yes. and so on. And I say, why do we take that attitude and so on? You have to look about making sure that your home is as resilient as possible. Because mm-hmm. the ideal thing is for you to shelter in your home. Mm-hmm. You yes. want your home to be resilient. You have your, your shutters and your, prov- and your provisions and everything. So you're sheltering with your loved ones, your family, and you're in the comfort of your home. When you move to a public shelter, it's a public space. 
There are rules, there's management, there are things you can do because it's a shared space. Mm -hmm. That should be your last resort. Your first resort should be staying at home. Mm -hmm. The second resort, okay, maybe sheltering with loved ones. Maybe the third resort is sheltering with friends, close friends, etc. and so on. But your last resort should be looking to go to a public shelter. Okay. So we encourage preparedness all throughout, especially during the hurricane season. Um, and what even if even if it's a tropical storm, we never know what could happen. Things change often, <laughs> and sometimes it, it it also catches meteorologists and so forth off guard. Yeah. It's not all the time they would know exactly where what what the situation would be. So we really encourage persons to be prepared, um, even if it's a tropical storm, a depression, whatever it is. Make sure that you have your plans in place. Okay. I mean, look at Lenny, Lenny formed past us mm -hmm. and then came straight back in a straight line which you haven't oh, seen yes, before I remember, yes, mm -hmm. I so and brought quite a bit of water <laughs> yeah. like at one point it, um, the island looked like it was divided into three parts mm -hmm. so you don't know what is going to happen so you know some people have this idea oh i've been to this mm -hmm. That's okay. fine. And so um, in our history, I, I think it's 1795, we had a, uh, it on record, while a hurricane was passing, we had an earthquake. Ooh, so there's nothing that says that one hazard can't have uh, at a time <laughs> happens, you know. So you have instances like that. There's a flood, but somebody's house catches on fire in the flood area. You don't know. Mm -hmm. And the problem is and so on. You need to be vigilant and you need to take heed of of the advice and the warning of those persons who are put there to actually protect you. I mean, we've had instances where we had information from the Met about the level of rain expected in a storm. You go to a particular community and you tell them, those of you in this flood-prone area, please, it's being advised that there's going to be some intense rain, etc. So on. there's a high chance of flash flooding in this area and flooding. And people look at you and tell you, I'm not moving, you can't move me, I'm not going to move. And then two o'clock in the morning, when you're, you're at the operation center, you're getting calls for help, mm -hmm. you know, and so you're, you're now trying to have to send people into harm's way. Mm -hmm. And these are people's fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, etc. and so on, to put their lives at risk to move people who have this took a mm -hmm. stance that they don't want to move. Mm. I mean, yeah, is that fear? Is that being... No, it is of course not. I always think about that too because if, let's say for instance, somebody from my family is working for the rescue services or so and then they're telling so-and-so to move and they're not moving. I'm thinking, okay, sooner or later, one of my family members is going to have to go have to out go there to yeah. rescue these people. And then maybe they might come back, but not my family member. So, yes, we have to think about each other mm -hmm. in situations like that there. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. even with things like fires, when you we work with people in doing the fire drills and their practices and the whole practice of after you evacuate, having accountability, having people assemble in the evacuation area so that you can take note of who's present because when the fire service gets on scene and you can only account for 10 or 15 people and you tell them five people are missing, they're going to try and go in to find those people to save those people. Now, if it's a case where some of those people have left and gone home or didn't even show up for work, you're now putting people's lives at risk unnecessarily. So we have to start looking at who Holistically, what are the things that we do every day in our operations that make us safe? Because an emergency plan is not a separate document yeah. you pull out when, when, you, when right? It has to be part of your daily operation, so you get accustomed to doing it. So when something happens, you're prepared. <laughs> there we go. Now you talk about earthquakes during a hurricane. 
Earthquake is not my favorite subject at all, at all, at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and um, what causes an earthquake? What okay, um, it's a reality of our region. Um, it's one thing. So if we look at how the earth is, is, is actually uh, formed, constructed, and so on, we live on top of the mantle. We live on the crust of the earth, okay? Now, underneath us, there are tectonic plates. These plates are constantly moving. They, are, they sit on top of the magma, that, that, that molten core, mm -hmm. and basically constantly moving past each other, slipping past each other, going on each other, and coming up, and so on. And where, where they meet, sometimes you have subduction zones, and you have um, crust being pushed up to form mountains and volcanoes mm -hmm. and islands, etc. and so on. So where we are in terms of the Caribbean plate is constantly moving in relation to the other plates, mm -hmm. North American plate, the Caucasus plate, etc. and so on. So mm -hmm. earthquakes are a characteristic of our region. They were here before us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they want to be here after us. <laughs> okay, so we've decided to build and live in this area so they're part of our lives. And the thing is, with earthquakes, sometimes the plates are moving, sometimes they stick, and the pressure builds up. And eventually, they will break mm -hmm. and move. Now, that, that energy that is released, okay, that comes to the surface, okay, and causes the surface to start shaking in many different ways, mm -hmm. different uh, orientations. Sometimes it's vertical, sometimes it's undulating, it could be horizontal and so on. And that's what we feel as the mm -hmm. earthquake. So the point of, at which the break happens in the Earth's crust, that is called the hypocenter, it's below. The, the spot on the earth crust directly above it on the surface is called the epicenter. So you hear when they yes, talk about earthquakes, mm -hmm. they tell you where the epicenter is. Mm -hmm. So that epicenter and the, it, it, the, the energy radiates out in waves. Mm -hmm. And the further you are away, the less you feel it and so on. But the closer you are, the more you feel it. Mm -hmm. Now, the deeper the earthquake is, that's sometimes good for us because it means that less energy is reaching the surface. But if it's very shallow, mm -hmm. more energy gets to the surface. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, that is where we start to see different levels because you talk about the Richter scale mm -hmm. uh, and the different scales that mm -hmm. measure how, how intense Intensive. and how strong it is. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get a little shake. The majority of shakes we don't feel. Mm -hmm. They're very minor. Some, most of them we don't perceive. I mean, estimates are that we get over 7,000 shakes a year. Mm -hmm. Okay? But some shakes will actually maybe wake you up after you sleep. You're yeah. sitting down. Mm -hmm. you, feel, you yeah. feel a shake. Mm -hmm. And then you look out the window because you think it's some mm -hmm. large machinery or truck passing and you don't see anything. Mm -hmm. But these, these, these shakes over time damage infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are the bigger ones which are fewer, right. which actually, you know, you see things start to move. Mm -hmm. But we live in one of the most active seismic zones in the region. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, Trinidad is another zone that's very active. So we get some big shakes. Mm -hmm. How can we, families prepare themselves for an earthquake. Okay. So what we encourage individuals to do, we promote the drop cover hole. Mm -hmm. um, the drop cover hole, wherever you are, um, it might be in your house. Um, what we encourage is that you have a sturdy, you drop under a sturdy desk. Mm -hmm. If you're in school, you go under the sturdy desk and you make sure that you cover your head. And you're going to also hold on to that desk. So in case the desk moves, you're going to be moving with it. So we encourage persons to drop, cover, and hold. Um, you would see in a, quite a number of earthquakes that people would run outside and they would be going down the stairs and so forth. We don't encourage that okay. because you can be injured um, while doing that. The stairs might crack or whatever or something in the in in the rush going out with everybody else there might be some sort of stampede or something so what we encourage if you're in a 
a building that is firm and strong, make sure you drop cover and hold. And uh, we really encourage schools, workplaces, and so forth to have their disaster management plan. So as part of that plan, it's going to spell out exactly what you should do when an earthquake happens and um, so that you're safe during that time. And if you can't shelter on the desk, you go to a support wall mm-hmm. and, you, and you put your back to the wall because you, you shouldn't be looking out of a window mm-hmm. because glass shatters and it flies and, and you don't want that getting in your eye mm-hmm. and you don't want to stand on a heavy object, whether it be a fan, an AC unit, a large picture, frame a potted plant on the wall. Those kind of things and so on. And then after the shaking stops, you check yourself and then you make your way outside of the building. Okay. Okay. A lot of people get injured when they're running outside mm-hmm. and things are falling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the way we set up our, our, our living spaces, our working spaces, that's another thing we have to address. Because many times we have shelves and, and heavy filing cabinets and everything. And they're not bolted. And they're not tiny. bolted, yes. They're just resting there. And we think, oh, because they're heavy, they're not going to move. But then, as Mitzi so correctly mm-hmm. said, in a very strong earthquake, furniture and things start to walk <laughs> and move or fly about the room. Yeah. And you don't really want that happening. Mm-hmm. And when we put things on a shelf you know we like to put the big potted plants on, yes. up high and everything so you don't want to put the heavy things up high keep the heavy things down low and <laughs> the yes. lighter things up high and make sure you have a clear path to exit we have sometimes we clutter our space mm-hmm. so many times that you can't get out of the door unless you pass and you go around this desk and you go around this filing cabinet and you, mm-hmm. you know and we're making a real obstacle course mm-hmm. and you've heard that earthquakes sometimes tend to form a tsunami Am I mm-hmm. correct in saying so? Or you could correct me if I'm wrong. How, how are tsunamis during an earthquake forming? Or? Okay. Um, tsunamis are basically generated when anything displaces a large volume of water quickly. So an earthquake can form a tsunami, um, an earthquake under the sea, on the sea floor. Um, sea floor shifts, a large volume of water displaced. It's like dropping a large stone in a bucket of water. When you drop it in, you see the water start to bounce and so on because it's trying to settle. Um, a large explosion... It could be a landslide in a coastal area that just dumps a lot of soil and rocks and everything into the sea and displaces a large volume of water. It could be a volcanic eruption. Okay, yes. All of these things that have the potential to, to displace a large volume of water quickly can generate a tsunami because a tsunami is not a tidal wave. A tidal wave is waves that are caused by tides, by the breeze blowing, whereas a tsunami... It's, it's they displace water now trying to settle so the waves that are generated are very long they have a very long wavelength mm-hmm. because they run from the sea floor up to the sea surface so if you are up and out in the deep sea you normally wouldn't see much of a change but as, the, as it becomes more shallow and it gets closer to land water starts to bunch up and then, it has a, and then some, a lot of tsunamis you see them coming at something like a high tide that just mm-hmm. keeps coming I mean everybody's expecting this 500 foot wave mm-hmm. and so on and you know that that, that sometimes is the that, that's the downside of Hollywood mm-hmm. because because people tend to see these things which are there for cinematic effect and think, that, okay, that's what's going to happen and something's going to come and swallow the whole of Antigua and we're going to be washed away and, and so on. So those waves, they're generated and they, they travel very fast. I mean, they travel at the speed of a jet line out in the mm-hmm. open sea. So let us, uh, you real life, yes, once there's a warning or anything, mm-hmm. you move away from the coast and you move to higher ground. Okay. It could be a hill it could be a very tall building. I mean, anything above three stories, we, we tell you, um, always try and head, head, head. Don't wait to see what happens. Right. I mean, in some in some instances, you have the water drawing back for an abnormal length, mm-hmm. and then it comes back in, and sometimes people are waiting to see what happens, and people mm-hmm. see fish flopping around, and, and all those are Don't dangerous things. Okay? So mm-hmm. just move away. I mean, if you're at the beach, and it's shaking to the point where you can't stand or keep your balance, move away. 
How, and when you say move away, how far is inland from Usunan? High ground. That's Water always right. takes a path of least resistance. If there's a hill, it's going. Mm-hmm. If it can, it'll go around it. Mm-hmm. If there's right. a building, it'll try and go around mm-hmm. it. I mean, there are certain instances, for example, when it gets into bays and keys that is trapped, then a tsunami will may, maybe go back and forth because of resonance and so on, and it will rise to unnatural levels. But um, we always advise that you move away. Move away. Don't wait to see what happens. Just move away or move, evacuate up. If you can't evacuate in, mm-hmm. evacuate up. Okay, I understand. Okay. Just to add, um, the Antigua and Barbuda Met Office is our focal point as far as um, tsunami information is concerned. So they would get the tsunami bulletin mm-hmm. from the Pacific Tsunami Warning Center. And they are responsible for sending the information to NODS, okay. which then would send the information to members of the public key agencies and so forth. So if there is not a message from the, our local Met Office, um, it's not credible. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had instances where you go on the Facebook, you go on Facebook and you see like persons <laughs> posting about tsunami coming to Antigua and mm-hmm. whatnot. And the Met Office has not sent out anything where that is concerned. So our local source is the local Met Office, and then we would send the information to members of the public. There are many information sources that people will be looking at different pages for different areas mm-hmm. and different regions and, 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 and doing that. And that is one of the things that we have in, in the, um, developing the network. So we have the Caribbean Tsunami Information Center, which works in conjunction with all of the other partners. So you have um, the, the University of the West Indies Seismic Research Center mm-hmm. down in Trinidad with, uh, with their established monitoring network because we have monitoring equipment that is offshore in Antigua, on Antigua in various locations and so on. That is part of that network. That's linked to that network. So there are many agencies they're working together and what it is is that persons need to pay attention to the authority for your particular area. So it's the same thing when Met gives you information for the weather concerning our area and people. And there's nothing wrong with looking at other websites, but the Met office for Antigua and Barbuda is providing information for local weather. Okay. Just to let you know that we've been doing quite a bit of educational programs um, at the schools. Mm -hmm. We've had a few exercises, tsunami exercises, Mm -hmm. where we... It's held annually. There's an exercise that is held annually throughout the region that is called Caribrave. Last year and the year before, I think, we we had focused on one vulnerable area. That was in the Villa Point community mm-hmm. where we got all the schools together, um, go through the drop cover hold with them and uh, work with them as to where their assembly points or evacuation area would be. So we had an exercise with quite a number of schools, and um, schools are really interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the primary schools, they're really involved in evacu- uh, earthquake drills right. that is held like every quarter mm-hmm. in the primary schools. So we encourage schools, workplaces, and so forth to get involved in drills also so that people can really know what to do in the eventuality of such hazards. If the public would like to get in touch with the National Office of Disaster Services, on any sort of disaster. Could you give um, your contact information to the public? Okay, our contact information, our telephone number is 462-4206. And there is also 562-1551. And um, we are also on Facebook, Nods Antigua Barbuda. We also have a Twitter account. 
And um, our email address is nodsanu at gmail.com. Email nodsanu at gmail.com. Any final words for our listeners um, concerning disasters? It's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see what people do, mm-hmm. especially for many years. We've been, always been telling persons and so on. You don't wait until you hear about something to prepare. You get right. your stuff prepared mm-hmm. beforehand because some houses have no season. So you need to have these things on hand. You need to have your home emergency plan. That is one of the things that we, we take for granted, that everything will be okay at home until we're at work and then something happens and then you're worrying about securing your home and what everyone knows what to do, who knows what to turn off the mains, who knows to stock everything, who knows where my emergency kit is, who knows where the first aid kit is for the home, who knows where the food kit is for the home, who knows where the medication kit is for the home. Um, do I have this? Do I have that? Do I need to run to the store to pick up anything and so on? These aren't things that you should be waiting to to, to do when something. You should have those things beforehand. I mean, nothing happens, God forbid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, everything is fine and so on. You use the items and you replenish them the next time you go shopping. You don't have to shop for everything one time, especially when, you know, if the budget is tight, you pick up one or two items, mm-hmm. one, one, and you put it in that emergency kit and you keep that away and then you you have it there and over time and so on you use old items and replace them you know be, mm-hmm. you know to make sure they don't expire things like that and so on be practical Good, we don't yeah. want an expensive solution mm-hmm. when a simple one yes. works well yeah mm-hmm. okay i mean yes. everybody cooks but how many people have a fire extinguisher in their house everybody drives but how many people have the little fire extinguisher in the car true well yeah. said. <laughs> well said for that. Okay, thank you so much for helping us to be better prepared for disasters, especially the ones that affect our islands. Thank you so much, Mrs. Francis. Thank you. And Mr. James. Okay, pleasure being here. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest? you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations, we would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthousebimi at gmail.com. Or give us a call at area code 268 462-1454 or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454 Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.